Welcome back to another episode of The Top Step. My name is Ryan Roland-Smith. Now, I didn't need my coffee for this episode. You've seen this guy on MLB Network running through walls in the middle of a live show or riding cardboard down the hill at the Little League World Series. Yes, it's the one and only Eric Burns. Now, I started this podcast and called it The Top Step because some of my favorite memories in the big leagues were standing on the top step of the dugout with teammates hearing their story and being inspired by their journey. And for Burnsy, he has dealt with all the ups and downs of playing Major League Baseball. And we discussed the crucial turning points that happened along the way to make him who he is today. Also, that feeling when you know it's the last time you'll ever wear a Major League uniform and making that tough transition into whatever's next. For Burnsy, he was just getting started. After hanging him up, he went on to become a polarizing figure on every major sports network, to breaking a golf world record, completing a triathlon that started in San Francisco and finished in New York City. Yes, that's right. I had to know how he had enough hours in the day to fit all this in, where all that energy comes from, and also wanted him to relive one of the funniest things I ever witnessed when he was an inch away from bulldozing our GM on his bike after a game ripping out of T-Mobile Park. Now, if you're enjoying these episodes, be sure to press the subscribe button wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode is also available on YouTube. There is a link below down in the notes. Now, I hope you're ready for this episode. No coffee is required as Eric Burns joins me on the top step. No matter what happens, Ryan Roland Smith has something to tell his grandkids right here. Here comes the one-two pitch to Junior now. The breaking ball, he struck him out. Yeah, that will be a story for the rest of his life <laughs> as he strikes out Ken Griffey Jr. and the inning is over. Burnsy, how are we doing, buddy? All good, man. I miss you, mate. I know, dude. Now I got to ask you, especially right. I've been checking out your Twitter and and, the, and how's the how's the isolation going? Because you guys are in complete lockdown, right? Yeah, dude. It's interesting. Obviously, um, you know, this is one of those things that I think you know we're in unprecedented territory for everybody right now around the world. So I think there's an adjustment period for each and every one of us getting used to the new norm. Um, yeah. I would say the the one thing that I've noticed early on, dude, is that like life slowed down and yeah. it, it's not necessarily even that I'm less active um, than I used to be. But it's just that like everything from the time that I take my head off the pillow at four or five in the morning till the time I put it back on the pillow at night, um, it's just I, f- I feel like in a lot of ways that I've been able to get in touch and in tune with, um, with the family, with everything going on in my world. I feel like at times I've been a freaking chicken with his head cut off running around, you know, from Lake Tahoe to half moon Bay to New York city to Arizona. And it's just like one thing after another. And I think just being in one spot, has been able to, um, just kind of really ground me in a sense, uh, yeah. but it's been it's been quite uh, quite the experience for sure. Now, look, I, I want to lighten the mood. It's not often I get a chance to have Eric Burns chatting one on one here, so I want to lighten the mood. I got to tell you a story and hopefully remember this. Right, it was in your last year, 2010, when you and I were playing together, and this is one of my favorite stories of all time. It, it's kind of it's insignificant anything to do with my career or any amazing moment on the field. <laughs> So you would ride your bike to the to the stadium, right? In, yeah. in Seattle. Right? And so one of your last days, I don't even know, it, could, it may have been your last day in a, in a Mariners uniform, maybe because of what happened. So we're, <laughs> we're all the family kind of hangs out outside the locker room. You know, you got that tunnel underneath the stadium where everyone kind of hangs. You would come buzzing around the corner on your bike, right? And and this yeah. is not your, your, you know, your super triathlon bike or anything like that. This is like, I think it's like a fixie or something. It may have been like bright orange. I'm trying to remember, but I, I tell this story all the time. So you'd come flying out, out of there and then through the parking lot and see you later. I never forget. I'll walk out to, <laughs> to, to, to see, you know, my wife's there and we're standing right there. And then he come, you come buzzing around. Well, right around this, this little blind corner, it was Jack Zarenzik and his, and his slew of people just kind of standing. And I could see it in slow motion. I'm like, man, he's going to take him out on his bike. I don't know if you remember this or not. You come 
buzzing past. And, and Jack Sorensic's one of these guys that, you know, socially he can get it can get kind of awkward, especially we are losing <laughs> a ton of games that year. You come flying past, nearly take him out, miss him by like an inch. <laughs> and then you just hear this, sorry, bro, as you go around the corner. Dude, I swear, man, I have told that story. I don't know if you remember that or not. It was, and I don't know if it, I tell it like that was your last day, like that was it. But yeah. I, I don't know if it was your last day or not. But, dude, classic story, mate. That, I know, do you yeah. remember that or not? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the funny thing, the story's, the story's been told. I love that you were there to witness it. But the story's been told and embellished, you know, through the years. But basically, <clears throat> what, happened, what happened what happened was I missed the squeeze play with Ichiro on third base. And it, it was, it, you know, we were going through a really tough first month of the oh, season. Yeah. I wasn't doing well. I wasn't playing much either. Um, but basically, I missed the squeeze play. I'm all pissed off. The game ends. I shoot on out of there. And I didn't even think about the media or I obviously wasn't thinking about Jack Sorensic at the time or anything else. It's right. just sort of a, a, a frustrating time. But, yeah, I, mean, I rode my bike to the park every single day. And all I wanted to do, I'm like, screw it. I, I, want to get home and and i had a a newborn at the time and um you know really just kind of wanted to go hammer the pedals and 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 blow off some steam and uh sure enough you know when i fired out of the locker room there was a just a ton of media waiting for me and apparently jack zarenzik was was waiting there as well i had no clue that jack was even there i saw the media and i'm just like whatever like yeah yeah. They don't give a shit enough. That, like, yeah. I missed the gosh dang squeeze. Like, it was, what do you want me to do? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't feel like it needed, like, this big explanation. Or I was, like, uh, uh, I also wasn't trying to duck anything either. I obviously yeah. was never afraid to talk to anybody. But, um, so anyway, yeah, it was, it was two days later, dude. They, two uh, days later. I got it. That's it. Yeah. Right. Well, that, I think it was, like, Friday night. It might have been Saturday. And then the next day um, or the day after. I ended up getting called into uh, Don Wakamatsu's office and waiting inside was Don and, and Jack. And like, they didn't have to say anything. I writing was on the wall and, you know, I, I knew I was getting released and I actually went up to him. I told him, I'm like, Hey guys, I said, right when I walked in the room, I said, this would be the easiest release you ever had. You know, I, I, I apologize for not playing up to my potential. I said, it's been disappointing so far. And, you know, I, I said, I just want to, you know, thank you guys for the opportunity to try to revitalize my career. Cause I've been, I'd been hurt for the two previous years before that. I yeah. tore my hamstring, shattered a hand, whatever. And so Jack, as a matter of fact, said, Bernsey, look, you know, I know you can still play. We still have a lot of belief in you. He's like, we just got to make a move right now and whatever. And so he, he asked me, he's like, he's like, Hey, he's like, do you want me to call any other teams on your behalf? And before I can even answer the question, Don Wakamatsu kind of interjected. He's like, hey, man. He goes, can I tell you something? I'm like, yeah, what's up? He goes, yeah. in all my years uh, of being around this game, he said, never in my life have I ever seen anybody play as hard as you. Wow. And I kind of, and I turned back to, to Jack. I'm like, you know what, Jack? I'm good. And really? that was, you know how like, they talk about Ted Williams and Ted Williams. They, they, they said like, basically, you know, he, you know, someone asked, you know, down the road, like, you know, who, who is that? And they said, all I want anyone to say is, yeah. you know, there's, there's Ted Williams, the greatest hitter that ever lived. Well, you know, in my case, it was like, that was my Ted Williams moment. That gotcha. was like, that was verification of, you know what? Like I wasn't the best player. Um, you know, I had a lot of ups and downs, but I, gave that game everything I had and I laid it on the field each and every fucking time right. I took. And so, so at, at that, that point, point I was, I, I was done. So, so you were done. So you knew there wasn't any like couple weeks of trying to pursue another team because I want to talk to you about that. Your transition, right? Obviously you've nailed it in the transition. It can be hard dude, for players. doesn't matter if you're like, if you're a superstar, especially, you know, the, the 98% of guys who, try and figure out what the hell do I do when I'm done playing, right? And you had some opportunities and everything else. But I think guys really struggle with, you know, their identity. They 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 also, you know, struggle with the fact that they're never going to have that platform to compete at that level they've been doing it for so long. 
So was there any of those moments after that? You said you were done, but was there that period where you felt like, man, I'm you know, not depressed, but you feel like you're missing something? A hundred percent. Yeah. But I, I knew I was going to go through that. And you have to understand that no matter what, if you, you go from doing something at the absolute highest level you could ever possibly dream of. Now, on top of that, all we've ever known was uh, playing baseball. You know, that was almost 30 years of playing the game. Right. right. And then yeah. it's done. So the thing was, is that early in my career, I let baseball define me and I poured my heart, soul, uh, and unfortunately self-worth into the game. And so mm-hmm. I would judge myself on whether or not I was four for four or L for four. Right. Like it's, it's just like, I was bringing it home with me. Uh, up until I what think, point, up until what point was that? You know what? I, I, I think until, what happened was this in 2005, I got traded from the Oakland A's to uh, the Colorado Rockies. And then two months later, or excuse me, two weeks later, I got traded to the Baltimore Orioles. And then two months later, I got released. And at that point, Carl Keel, who wrote the mental game of baseball with Harvey Dorfman, called me up and he worked for the Oakland A's for a long time. Uh, managed in the big leagues for a little bit. He was basically a mental strength coach, like one of the, you know, originals, one of the yeah. just absolute freaking gangsters in the world of um, sports psychology. And Carl and I you know, always had a good relationship when I was with the A's and he was there. And he's like, hey, man, he goes, I want to uh, I want to meet with you. I'm like, yeah, sure. So we meet at like a Caro's on Scottsdale Road. And basically he goes here and he hands me a napkin and he goes on this side, I want you to write down everything you can control. And on this side, I want you to write down everything you can't control. And so basically it came down to this. It was like things I can control, attitude, effort, preparation. That's it. Everything else was on the other side. Weather, umpires, trades, teams, releases, competition, weather. Like, it does not matter. Like, it was everything except for attitude, effort, preparation, and execution. And that, and so when I kind of got into that mode, it's like, you know, I could do everything right on a baseball field. And some days I just, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't work out. And I used to, I used to let the lack of success eat at me and and i did because especially when i got traded from the a's i I tried so hard when i was with the rockies and i tried so hard when i was the orioles trying to impress my new teammates and trying to you know basically you know throw up the double middle finger to the a's and say oh you should have traded me and it's just like when you do all of that it's it's the classic case of trying too hard and when i was able to let go of that and sort of take this mentality of like Hey, you know what? I love this game, but I'm no longer going to let all these outside influences and circumstances define who I am or what I do. And so at that point, that's when I I really let go. And uh, ironically, you know, I signed with the Arizona Diamondbacks, had by far and away my two best years um, and, and, and stayed in the game for, you know, a lot longer because at that point, I mean, it really... It could, it could have ended right then, but yeah. also, Brian, you know what happened was when you get traded and then you get released and you're looking at the you're, – you're in the outside looking in, that's when, in my mind, I'm like, hey, this is going to come to an end. I'm yeah. not going to play baseball forever. And so I started to dabble into the media stuff and dabble into – I did some work for ESPN Radio um i did some stuff for fox i started going home and doing some local stuff for uh kmbr uh in san francisco a a radio station and and so when i started kind of getting into that i'm like this could be this could be the transition but yeah there's there's still no matter what always going to be that void because even with that and even when i got done there was that physical miss right the thing that was physically missing um that we all go through so, you know, 
you you meant to, you mentioned some mental skills coaches and stuff. Look, I've had a I've had a bunch of them. You know, some are good. You know, some are just like the most cliche things that really don't don't matter. What are some things, man? I'm putting you on the spot here, but what are some things? I just thought of this that advice you've been given from you know mental skills coach, whether they've done it, they've played in the big leagues or on that kind of stage at any level, or whether they just have obviously academic background. What are some things that you're just like, that has no bearing on what I think about or what I'm doing to play at this level? Because I feel like, you know, there's there's the cliches out there and everything. I've just, I've run into so many little things that have no bearing on anything when it comes down to that, you know, 15 seconds before I have to throw that pitch, you know, to this dude who just crushes balls. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, you know, to try to be objective in the way you look at everything, because, you know, when I was, I was, I, I was very much like you, right? And especially back then, like, I would hear things and people would tell me things. Yeah. I'd be like, dude, shut the fuck up. What do you know? <laughs> right? Like, li- li- yeah. leave, leave, leave me alone, right? right. It's not, and, and then I think as I got a little bit older, I was more, re- I was more receptive to it. Um, I do think there's something to be said for having this arrogance about you, for having a confidence that is, I don't care who you are or what you're trying to tell me. Yeah. Like, look, dude, I'm here. Do you know where I'm going? I'm going to the gosh damn big leagues. Get out of my way. Gotcha. That's how I was all the way coming up. And it yeah. didn't matter who you were or what you were saying. Now I listened and I tried to take in whatever, but if I had a dude telling me whether it was a hitting coach or a mental skills coach, or it didn't matter who it was, if I liked it, I'd apply it. If I mm-hmm. didn't, I would shut it out. As I've gotten into even studying this stuff myself, as a matter of fact, I'm a MPM certified mental performance mastery coach by the great Brian Kane. And I went through this program and I really did it not necessarily to train athletes, in mm-hmm. it, I did it for myself. I did it to help me be be uh, a better broadcaster. Yeah. To help me be a better father in de- in dealing with my children as they now have, have come up. And I got an eight, nine, and ten year old that are ski racing at a gnarly level right now. I've, so I've noticed, man. I've, I've, on your Twitter, I'm all over it. Wow. It's super cool. But awesome. you, I mean, even this early, it's already. To, to learn some of these things, um, you know, and, and again, it's just, it hasn't changed that much where it's like, I still, and I tell my kids, take in what works for you. What are your triggers? You know, where do you want to go? Do you do better when, when, when you're fired up and you're super excited? Like I couldn't get, if I, I'm already going to be fired up. So I had to find my Zen. I had to find my, yeah. Right, where everyone right. else, some people maybe needed to get up. Oh yeah, I needed for to, sure. I needed to try to slow down. Gotcha. Um, so there's there's just different ways um to look at it. So I think everyone, you know, every individual is different. Um, and and I think there's things that will be very effective for one person and and not the other. And I think the key to that is, and this is where I think ultimately it's you know, we'll see this go in the big leagues. Um. And I've even championed it. I've actually talked to a couple clubs about it, but I'm actually more in the camp of like the future is mental performance teams. It's not a person. The 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 future right. is somebody like you coming together with somebody like me and coming together with somebody like Cliff Floyd and then coming together with somebody yeah, like it. Carlos Pena. And that's yeah. our team. And now right. we're going to take care of the Seattle Mariners. Do you understand? Gotcha. Yeah, that makes you, sense. Like, I, sure. I, what, the, well, what the fuck am I going to tell a left-handed pitcher that, exactly. that, that's giving up the ass, right? Right. You, you know, and, and, the kid, and the kid happens to be from Australia, too. And it's like, there's certain shit that I can't relate to him yeah. with. Absolutely, Whereas, like, yeah. these other guys, they, they can. Yeah, you're right. And then there's sometimes, you know, like, I look at you, obviously. I look up to you, obviously, from the, the broadcasting and the way you, you do things and operate. But I'm like, man, I just can't. You know, like, I used to have pitching coaches you know, doing their best say, look, man, hey, um, have you seen John Lester throw that cutter? You have to start trying to – I'm like, I'll never be able to throw that cutter on the on the hands of anyone like that. What is the point? We're going through scouting reports talking about Cliff Lee was a teammate when we were teammates. 
He's like, yeah. well, Cliff did this. I'm like, dude, I got no shot. Hey, I want to ask you something. You mentioned before I forget here, you mentioned, and, and this is something I was, I wanted to talk to you about, you know, with, with who you are as, and your, your identity online and everything else. You mentioned when you got traded to the Rockies and then on to, sorry, the Orioles, and then you're off to, to the, the Rockies Orioles around that time. Yeah. You mentioned you wanted to, I feel like you were alluding to the fact that you cared what people thought about you in a sense. And I'm not saying that's a, a bad thing or a good thing. I get the I get the idea when I you know when I watch you do your thing and and your whole brand is basically it looks like you don't care what anyone thinks you just you know I mean you're riding cardboard down a hill you know what I'm saying which is so hard for people to do I can't do that man it's it's one thing that really stops me is I'm so worried what people think do do you feel like you got to a point where around that time when you were playing or whatever it was that you just like screw this man I I could care less what anyone thinks about me. Yeah, um, you know what? I I kind of grew up that way, and I I think what happens is you develop that that mentality when 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 you've been the Lone Ranger before, you've been the guy that's been riding solo, and and you know when I was a kid, I Ryan, I had to, you know, I had to I had to fight my way through school and, and sports because I was always playing up, and so I always had to play with the bigger kids and the older kids and. Um, you know, it, it, it was one of those things where I wasn't, I was, I was never a mean kid either. Right. I was always, I was always nice. And, yeah. and that's, I got two rules in my house. Number one, no whiners. Number two, be kind. And so I was, I was never, I was never a jerk, but like I even tell my kids, like if, if, if you flicked my ear, I was going to turn around and punch you in the face. Mm-hmm. And so I, I just, I, when I saw injustices happening, whether it was with me or friends or anything else, I was always the first one to, to stand up and always the first one to say, hey, look, like, you know, I am going to do my thing. I am going to fight for what I believe in. I am going right. I am not going to let, you know, somebody else dictate um, the things that I'm going to do in, in my life. You mm-hmm. know, I, my my harshest critic was myself. So, uh, you know, I also I, I knew that. You know, even when I was a kid, that I I loved being me. I loved just not being afraid to um, to be who I am and and say and do some of the things. And yeah. when you put yourself out there, whether it's when you're a kid, right? <laughs> yeah. Like I had to deal with all the cool kids. The cool kids, oh, that this and this and this and that. And it's yeah. just like, no, they fuck them. Like I I I didn't care. And so. You know, when I got it, you know, I went to UCLA and then I got in the pro ball. I said, everywhere I went, I had to deal with, it. I'll give you a great story. So and basically you asked where it like really started in the development of my adult life. Mm-hmm. So my first year of pro ball, I get drafted, go to Medford, Oregon. I rake there, called up to Visalia, rake there, go to uh instructional league, do well. Next thing you know, I start with uh, the AAA team in um spring training now yeah. you know how spring training goes right i started with the triple a team basically because half the triple a teams in the big leagues right mm-hmm. and i knew i was most likely going to start the season in a ball but that's where i started so i'm running we had to run a mile and uh we had to run it under 7 30 and so i'm running with the whole triple a team and all you know how the minor league veterans oh yeah yeah and, and so he so here's this new guy, and I'm I'm the only guy from our draft class that that's that's with this team. I think Mulder, who was the only other, he was in the big league, he was in big league camp, right? So I'm the only guy draft class. I'm with the AAA team. We're running the mile. I lap every one of them. I run a I run a five like five minute flat mile. Are right? you in a copter, right? For taking bro. off, bro. leaving the herd. Yeah, yeah. Bro, they're like, dude. Forrest Gump, slow the fuck down. You're making us look bad. Trying to make on a team. And on and on. And yeah. so, so finally, I'm just like, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. Kept my head down, kept my head down, kept doing my thing. Then we're doing outfield drills, and they're hitting balls in the outfield. And I go full send, lay out, ball in the gap. Boom. Catch it. Come up. Everyone's like, Dude, take it easy, man. You make it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's just like, you know, at, at this at this point, it's funny because 
Then I went to, it was, then I was in A-ball, then I was in double-A, then I was in triple-A, and then I was getting called at big leagues. And the same dudes that, that will give me all that shit in mm. spring training were basically the same guys I, would, I was in triple-A with. And Bob Guerin was my triple-A manager. And the one thing that Bob told me when he called me up to tell me that I was going to, uh, going to Cleveland to play against the Indians uh, the, the next day, he goes, hey, man, just do me one favor. Don't ever fucking change. Ever. Awesome. And that's all. It's that 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 hit home because I yeah. knew I, when you when you're able to put your blinders on, there's always going to be people that talk shit. And so yeah. there's always going to be you're you're going to have your detractors no matter what. And so if you do it, whether you have success or whether you fail, do it your way. Gotcha. Learn from other people. Bring in everything. Try to learn. Try to grow. Try to have whatever. But yeah. you got to. You got to learn your way. Like you. You got. You got. To, you got to do it your way. Because when it's all said and done, when it's all over, whether it's broadcasting or parenting, or, you know, just life in general. Yeah. You want to know that you gave it everything you had your way. Burns, you know it's funny, man. Is is see. It's a, there's a skill to not to separate from the herd. Like you're talking about that seven and a half minute mile, man. I'll, look, I was the same same dude. I would take off because I'd come out of an off season where I've worked my ass off. I want to impress and the whole thing. I'll take off. But the skill is you're just like, hey, I'm just going to keep running. I'm just going to keep lapping you. For me, it was like, oh, look at this. Look at this douche trying to make a club, especially your first year in big league camp, the whole thing. So I'd slide right back into that group. You know what I mean? And yeah. that's something – because I remember you and I saw each other in New York at MLB Network last year, about a year ago or so. And one thing, I'll never forget it. You said to me – because – and it's, it goes, it's the same thing, dude. I, I got into broadcasting, and I was a little insecure about the fact that I didn't play 20 years, wasn't a superstar, the whole thing. And one thing I tried to cover up was the Australian accent because I wanted to be taken seriously. I wanted to sound super pro. And you said to me, you said, what's the one thing that separates you? And I said, oh, you know, you said, you friggin', you're got an Australian accent. And I'm, and it's so funny, dude, because like I fall into that trap where I get on TV and it's like you have to try and sound super pro. But the minute I just break away from that, or, and if I can, you know, get the, get the balls to do it, man, it just, it just changes. It just, it, everyone seems to, 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 you know, be drawn to that. So it's just, it's funny, man. Like, but that's something you do that, it may piss people off too. People on Twitter are like, oh yeah, Burnsy, uh, you know, can't because they're sitting there wishing they could do that. You know what I mean? Yeah, so I mean, they're, they're, those guys are gonna be there anyway. So whether yeah. here's the thing, when you're when you and this is this is what I told you with your accent, man. Like, I told Cliff Floyd the same shit too. I'm like, dude, don't don't try to be Mr. Broadcaster, man. I'm like, yeah. go out. This is dude, Cliff's an unbelievable broadcaster. He's been in the freaking broadcasting game just about as long as I have. Like. You know, but when Cl Cliff is at his absolute best, when he's talking to me like him and I are at dinner, you're going to be at your absolute best yeah. when you got when you're bullshit with me like we're doing this podcast right now. Like yeah, that's th that's when your your content is going to be uh, reflective on the person that 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 you're that you're trying to be. Now, the good thing is, and you have to remember this, we live in a day and age where authenticity reigns supreme right 15 years ago that wasn't the case at all it was like gotcha. if you were the broadcaster you had to be proper and you had to yeah it's like no like now now when we see that shit we're like get that off i'm not i don't want to see that like it's right. it, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't resonate with anybody so you know and then the last thing is i'll, I'll tell you what hey you've got to you you can't be scared for a dead. You can't be scared. Like it's, it's. I love my job, but it, it, if it's for some point, some reason, they say, hey, "Dude, you're done." Yeah. Right. I loved baseball, but at some point, when it was done, I, yeah. it, it's. You you can't you can't live your life afraid. And yeah. so the only times that I've gotten in any broadcasting traps, in my opinion, are when. I literally was speaking and thinking about what this TV executive was thinking about what I was saying and yeah. then shit start da, 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 da. And I'm like, dude, I, you know what, if I, and, and I actually, 
I'm not going to get specific about it, but I basically had a conversation really early on in my broadcasting career and I, and with a high powered executive uh, in the TV industry. And I, I told him, I'm like, look, I said, I, the, I, I can't do this anymore. Like, unless, unless you let me, like, unless I can be me, unless I can be authentic, like, I don't want to do this. Like, and you don't, you're not going to want me to do this. And so yeah. if I'm able to have these, like, reigns to an extent, like, I understand that there's certain things we can't cross and there's certain lines. Yeah. Uh, we got to be, you know, they're blurred. But for the most part, I, I need to be able to not have to think about what somebody else is thinking about what I'm saying. Right, right, right. It's, it's not it's not fun for me. It's not it's not good TV for you. And so we, it was almost like this understanding that we had. It was like, OK, cool. Yeah. You know what? Go gunsling it. Um, but, you know, I think hey, I, be I think too, Bernsey, I think you have enough, you know, obviously, you know, intuition to understand that. You can do it in a respectful way. You're smart enough to know that, you know, obviously people have jobs like, you know, people who are working around. If they say you've got 30 seconds to talk about something, you're not going to go for a minute and a half and just do a cartwheel in the middle of the studio because you get it. But it's just so funny, man. I think just from a personal level, like, and a lot of people get trapped in this. It's just everyone's kind of copying each other. So all of a sudden you sort of fall into this is how it's supposed to be done. I, but it's interesting you mentioned as well you know, a, a boss or someone like an authority figure, right? Is this something, I mean, you obviously had this kind of energy when you were a kid. You must have had teachers, coaches, hey, calm down, stop acting like this. This is how you're supposed to act, right? I mean, this didn't just come when you turned 30. No, no. Yeah, you're right. It, it was, it was tough because I got kicked out of, I got kicked out of class all the time. And, you know, for the most part, I think teachers were pretty understanding, but you know, obviously I yeah. grew up full blown ADHD. Um, you know, it was really, when it was, when I was young, it was really hard to get me to, to sit still. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm 44, I'm jumping around the freaking yeah. room. I just, I, I, I just think that, um, you know, I also, I, I, again, and I, maybe this goes back to, you know, the thing that my parents taught me just about always being kind. Um, I was never disrespectful. Right. Yeah, I so I, 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 ne I never did anything, made it personal towards the, the teachers or, or, or any other kids or anything else like that. So pretty much I was just, I, I was being me and, 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 you know, at a young age, that was, that was really hard. Um, and I, cause I did get that, that calmed down a lot, but I think for the most part, you know, the more time that I get to spend around people, the more they are able to understand me and the more I'm able to understand them. Um, and then you sort of find your boundaries and you find your place. Uh, so it's, it's not always, it's not always easy. Um, but at, you know, at the same time, it's, it's just, you know, I, I think we're, we're constantly trying to adapt because as, as ADHD as I was, I also had that ability to hyper-focus too and, yeah. and lock in on something. And, and that's, this is right. it's all reason why I'm able to do TV, right? Like, it's like, if, if I can, if I can get, get here and, and stay locked in, yeah. it, it can be, it can be good. Um, were, were you, just, were you as a kid, were you on like medication? Were, were no, they giving you all that? Nothing. No, never. Dude, they prescribe, they prescribe me coffee. So th this really? is, I'll, I'll, I'll transition this a little. Basically, this is how we started the let them play foundation. Well, that's what because, I was getting. I want to, cause I've been yeah, reading up I mean, about some of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Because, what happened, dude, Ryan, they, they basically, they've taken the everyday PE out of 97% of schools in the United States of America. So we're, we're talking 60% of kids do zero after school youth activity. I, the numbers are, are just astonishing. The seven to nine hours a day that, you know, people are send, spending on screens, which I imagine has only gone up. Now, that okay. said, I've also seen some kids getting outside, I feel like, a little bit more. Through, through all this, but um, the biggest thing is, is that we, like PE is an outlet for kids like me to basically stimulate our brains. So when we come back and we sit here and do a podcast, like, boom, dude, I got 20 miles on the treadmill earlier today. So I'm going to be dialed in with you. Right. Gotcha. So gotcha. It, it's just, but it, it's really uh, when you don't give kids the rightful opportunity to physical education and to after school youth activities, it's like 
Dude, we're suppressing them, not just physically, but more importantly, we're suppressing them mentally. And that's why you see the, the, men, the mental uh, disorders have skyrocketed as well. Now, you could say, hey, maybe we're, um, we're diagnosing them a lot more aggressively. I don't know about that. I do know this. I take my kids and I literally, every single day, I make them run a mile. I'm like, like before your day starts, you're running a mile. This is what we're doing. And when you see where they are before that mile and where they are after that mile, yeah, sure. it's night and day. And it's, and it's funny because it's not people, it's not this crazy amount of activity that we need. 20 minutes of moderate activity will stimulate the brain and the entire frontal lobe, which will allow these kids to concentrate, learn, and be more efficient and effective throughout the course of the entire day. You know, it's funny about that. So, you know, Trent and I, we do camps with our business back in Australia, Next Gen Baseball. I always ask during stretch, and we try and get the energy through the roof, right? And, you know, obviously 2020 is a lot different to when we grew up. Look, I played some video games like Tony LaRusso baseball, whatever, but nothing like this, the, what you see on the screen now. There's, oh, the stimulation. I feel like we're, like what I do, so, so around stretch time, you know, we're there stretching, and I'm like, oh, so who, who here plays video games? You know, a couple of kids put their hands up. Oh, what, what is it, Fortnite? You know, that's the big one. Like, yeah, I play Fortnite. That's what I'm doing after this. It's amazing, dude. Like when you see a group of like, you got a group of 10 or 20, those couple kids, just the attention span. I'm like, I can't compete with that screen. I've got no shot against that screen. It's crazy. Crazy. That, and so here's, here's another one for you. <laughs> So I have, a, I have a friend, undisclosed friend, that works for Snapchat. And she's telling me, they basically, they have a super young demographic, right? So it's, yeah. they're, they're, say they're 10, like they're, even like they're 10 to 18-year-olds or whatever it is. They're, they're, they're opening the app 30 times a day. Like, like that, yeah. that, it's just, I mean, all day, every day. And she kind of, she joked, kind of half-jokingly is like, she's like, sometimes I feel like I'm, feeding these kids crack yeah like really because that's what it, it's addictive right and it is yeah we've all been dude i i used to play tecmo bowl i used to play uh rbi baseball like yeah, I, dude i'd Absolutely. sit there for hours and hours and hours and hours and i loved it and i think part of it is, is fine but like when it when it gets over the top and especially with the games like fortnite and other things and the the ongoing violence which they've basically now proven that it desensitizes people to absolutely all of it yeah. right and, and so oh, when yeah. you get you can get immersed into that it's like show me how you do anything and i'll show you how you do everything and then and then my mom would say show me who your friends are and i'll show you who you are spend enough time with somebody spend enough time doing something you're going to yeah. become completely inundated in what that is that you do your actions every single day are telling me who you are as a person so that's right. where the argument for the video game is like, no, like enough's enough. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, and look, we, 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 you know, I don't want to say this publicly, people are going to roll their eyes, but we do like a no screen with our kids, you know, just because I just, and, and nothing against, man. If, if you're, if you, you know, if you're three year olds watching TV or whatever, no problem whatsoever. But dude, like, I feel like the show's now so different to like, the cutaways and the coloring and stuff, they're built just like, you know, and look, I'm guilty of it. I'm on Instagram and Twitter, but those things, mm -hmm. yeah, they're built to the way the little thing, you know, circles on the screen to, to keep you on, keep you on, you know? Now, look, I, I want to, just a little transition here. So, you know, you're talking about, you've been this way, your energy level through the roof, and it's something that you can't, you can't teach that, right? Now, you called me, I think it was a couple of years ago, you called me and said, hey, can I, can I get a hold of Ichiro? Right to help you out to 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 get to, to to raise some money, and I'm like, okay, first of all, man, like Ichiro, like I don't know if he's gonna respond to me. Um, I, I'm gonna throw your name like within two seconds to make sure he knows I'm serious. But then you said to me, go, yeah, I'm doing a triathlon across the country, and I nearly threw up. I'm, I nearly swerved off the road. I was like, dude, like he can't be serious, man. And one of the things thinking about this and and just looking up some stuff last night on you and everything you're talking about, running, for example, dude. It is, for me, it is so boring. Like, I am just get. I, I want to be able to run. I'd love to be able to run distance, do a marathon one day or something like that. I just can't. I, 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 and I'm not, you know, off the wall or anything like that, but I just cannot stay locked in. I just, I, and it's not, it's just basically my mind saying, dude, just finish this. I'm, I need to ha have something else. 
do you yeah. feel like it's it's a reverse for you in a sense because you are so you know you you you're obviously you got energy through the roof is this something when you were out there running and you know you've done ultra marathons and, and everything else it's hard for someone like me to understand it when you're halfway through one of these you know runs where you're running all friggin' day was that mm-hmm. is it for you like what got you in what got you into being having the ability to do that well, I, I think, you know, for me, first of all, I think one of the, the things is, is that it's very meditative and it's very therapeutic. Um, and and it, it's one of the only times in my life where I'm able to shut off uh, my brain and, and I'm able to go to a, uh, a deep place. Um, and, and, and just the other thing is, is that I, I feel like a lot of my best work is done. Uh, when I'm active and just w- yeah. within my mind. And so these thoughts and ideas, I, I write this thing called the daily hustles. You know, it's a blog that I basically oh, yeah. send out a blog and podcast every day that I do. I get it every day. Yeah. I love it. So it, like these things don't end. Right. And so in part of it was when I wrote the book, uh, it's called the effortless life lessons from a human crash test dummy. I championed the book as a, as a lifestyle. And <clears throat> I'm like, it's a mentality. It's a lifestyle. And it's like, well, you know what, how can I hand someone this 500 page book of stories and life lessons and all this shit I've learned yet. And I tell them it's a lifestyle, yet I'm not doing anything to gotcha. help yeah. support the lifestyle. And so sure. in my mind, I'm like, you know what, I want, I want to do something and give them something to support it. And that's where the blog started. And so every single day I got to come up with new shit. And a lot of that is, is, contrived in my mind when I'm running, when I'm cycling, when I'm swimming, when I check out. And it's, it's amazing how well my brain works when I, when I'm at that point. And so now it's gotten to, you know, because it's obviously not a natural transition going from baseball to endurance sports. Mm. Um, and, and the other thing is when I first got into it, I mean, I was such a rookie and I had no idea what I was doing. And I was so uncomfortable and I was so scared and I thought I was going to die in the water. I literally had several near drowning experiences because I didn't really know how to swim other than uh, the limited time that I had surfing when as a kid growing up, but I was attached to a board. And so as I got into doing, you know, Ironmans and, um, you know, eventually this triathlon across the country and all the hundred mile races and everything, it was like, everything that I did in that world was new to me, was exciting to me. And yeah, it's like, right. if we don't have that, that carrot, if we don't have that, that's something new, that's something um, that we're chasing, then what do we have? Yeah. Right. Sure. Like, like it's that, that's, that's, that's how it, like it went from a sprinter I have one to doing all this other stuff because the, I think the biggest thing is that I wasn't afraid ever and I haven't been to become vulnerable. I wasn't afraid to, to fail. Um, and there was a lot of failure that went on in, in that transition. But, you know, ultimately it's, it's given me an entire new, uh, I, mean, I say, I don't say meaning of existence. It sounds so strong, but I've been able to reach an entire new world and I've been able to reach an entire new level um, I think of awareness of, of who I am as a person um, going through all this stuff. Do you ever get, okay, first of all, I, I want to mention one thing. Those ocean swims, man, I grew up on the beach. Swimming in the ocean is scary compared to swimming, especially with cold water too. I remember when you took off, you, you'd like jumped off the bridge or something. I'm like, I kept looking at the map, dude. When you were doing that, the triathlon across the country, I kept looking at the map going, okay, how does this work? I mean, but those ocean swims are no joke, dude. You can, you can be in a pool all day. And then you get out in the ocean, it's completely different. But yeah, you know, I, I just it's one of these things too, and you talked about that. Do you feel like it's transitioned through every other phase of your life? Once you get done with a hundred, you know, one of these hundred mile you know, events or something like that, do you feel like you feel like it's completely changed every other aspect of your life, right? Yeah, it's I I think more than anything, it it's kind of let me know that um there are no limits like to, yeah. to to what's possible and and you know before it's like i remember hearing about brian morrison this guy that 
did the Western States 100. Um, and I was still playing at the time. I think it was like 2006. And he went like 99 point something miles. And he gets to the track in Auburn, collapses like four or five times around the track, gets some help. They pull him up. And he, and he comes and he wins the race by like 20 minutes. And then they disqualify him because they said he had assistance by, by, by lifting him up yeah. in, that, in, that, in that last thing. And I remember thinking back then, um, it, was, it was pretty well documented uh, in, the, um, <laughs> in this Diamond of the Rough, which was a documentary that was done about yeah. my experience doing the Western States 100. But basically, I couldn't comprehend what that was. I'm like, oh, dude went 100 miles, picked up around the show. Like, that didn't make sense to me. I'm like, right. I can't envision somebody running 100 miles. So when I talk to people about <laughs> running 100 miles or doing an Ironman triathlon or the try across the country, like, I talk to people in the baseball world about this shit. They can't, most of them can't comprehend it. And I, and I, yeah. and I don't expect them to, right? right? <clears throat> but this is one thing I did last week, Ryan. So I, I told and i did this to um basically i, I threw out i threw it out of the blog right on the daily hustle mm-hmm. blog and podcast and then I, I i posted about it i'm like look i said here's the thing we all have limits and we all preconceived numbers whether it's and the, and the uh, united states loves doing this to us right or, or even the just the running world the 5k the 10k the half marathon the marathon yeah and those are the preordained distances. And these are the, the holy grail. And so a few weeks ago, I ran 44 miles for my 44th birthday. And there was a guy that had run one half marathon in his life. And he had not run more than five miles in like five years. And he's like, hey, man. He's like, you mind if I join you on, on, on the run? And I was down in Arizona coaching baseball team with my kid. And his kid's on the team. Right. I'm like, dude, yeah, of course. Come for, you know. I said, how many miles do you want to run? He goes, oh, you know, maybe I'm just thinking five. And I'm like, dude, right. come on. I said, how, what's the longest you've ever gone? He's like, 13.1. I said, cool, we'll go 14. And he's but like, see, that's intimidating, dude. Straight away, he gets his feeling like, dude, I, my, here's my limit. This is what I'm so – this is my uh, my my prescription right here is this you, is what you, I have you to – You thought that was it? Yeah. You, know what, you know what he fucking did? He did 16. 16 yeah. miles. He was hurting. Mate. Right. And it's just the funny thing is, like, no one knows what they're capable of doing until you push the boundaries, until, in that, you, until yeah. you're willing to become uncomfortable to, to get out there and do it. In that 16 miles. Now, obviously, he's running next to you. Right. But in that, how many times was he like, yeah, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Or did he just keep going? Plowing ahead. He got, he got he got to 13 and he was he was toast. Like oh, we right. could tell. Yeah. And, and what would you we say? Uh, we yeah we wanted to take we we want to take him the four team because my boy Kowalski was with me he does a lot of this crazy stuff and, right. and that, so so Kowalski and I were trying to RTL is his name so we're trying we we're trying to get RTL the South African dude we we're trying to get RTL to to we're gonna we're like we're gonna get you to fourteen dude we're getting you to fourteen come on he's all right <laughs> you know nice and easy light smooth fast give him all the keys relax the arms everything going through all the uh, the the form and the technique and and so we get him to fourteen. And then once we got him to 14, we realized we're like, dude, yeah, we got two more miles to go this way. And then there's the Starbucks there. And so we kept telling, we're like, dude, just a little bit more, just a little right. bit more, just a little bit more. <laughs> so we took him, we got, got him to 14 and then we took him to 16 and basically he was done at 16. Then that night I bet we're at the stadium. Right. So I'm coaching, I'm down on the field and I see him walking like that. <laughs> yeah exactly but do you do you realize but that's the best feeling ever i mean he ever I, I don't care how how sore his legs are like if that's me dude i don't think i've ever ran 16 miles if i'm doing that i'm like i'm buzzing for weeks after that yeah. you know what i mean the hard yeah. thing is though the hard thing and, and this is something you do and this is something i'm speaking for the majority here is staying consistent there's got to be days now you do a daily hustle you're putting content out every single day your consistency levels through the roof right there's got to be days there where you, or I don't know, maybe not. You wake up, you're like, I just cannot be bothered doing anything right now. Like, I'm just lazy. I'm being lazy right now. Like, or are you just so far beyond that? This has gone way down the track where that never happens. Because I wake, dude, there's, I mean, especially during this whole, 
you know, this isolation thing and I'm bummed out that I'm not doing games. My motivation is like sunken, right? There's got to be, there's got to be those times surely, right? <laughs> yeah. You know what? You know what's funny is that it, I, I'm not saying this to try to be a fucking go hard or anything. Like yeah. I got, I like to be totally honest with you. Like I, I just don't have those days. And I, I right. say that because <clears throat> my days when I'm awake, if, if I'm not active, if I'm not doing something, it's like, even it's funny because I, 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 I get to Saturdays and Sundays, you know, when the world was back normal. Right. And so whether it's like, you know, documenting some of the shit that I do on Instagram story time or, 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 or whether it's writing a daily hustle that day or not. And it's just like, you know, there are some days that I do just want to go run and check out and put on music. Yeah. Gotcha. Those, those, those are those days. The uh, most other days, like I'm like, dude, I'm going to get on the treadmill and I'm going to freaking hike for, you know, the first five, 10 miles, crank this thing up to, you know, four and a half, five. And, and so, so I would get to basically get the heart rate to a point where my brain's working yeah. and I do everything on my phone. So it's like that, 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 that. And I knock out like two or three daily hustles at a time. Gotcha. So, yep. you know, that, that's, but but the funny thing is, it's like I was doing it the other day, and I, I part of me was like, "Well, dude, are you are you working?" And I'm like, "No, this isn't work for me. Like, Good I job. love this. Like, I enjoy yeah. this. Like, this. I was excited to get on there, to get on the treadmill, to get going, and and to come up with some of this stuff and come up with these ideas, and then develop the ideas. And it's not. Here's the thing. The, the big difference is between. <clears throat> whether you're consistent or not consistent and everything that you do in life is that you've got to make it a lifestyle. And if you make it a lifestyle, you don't, it's just not a question what you're going to do when you get up in the morning. It's like, Hey man, this is part of the routine. I'm going to get on my foot reflexology board. I'm going to go put my feet in the snow after that. Then I'm going to hop on the treadmill or the bike. I might go get a swim and I'm going to wake up, you know, the kids wake up. I, I, you know, I make sure when they're getting up every day too, that, that I'm there when they're getting up yeah, and, and, gotcha. and I have breakfast right. with them. And then it's back to doing whatever I was doing. Um, but it's, it's like you, you want to make it a lifestyle as opposed to this is something that you have to do. Yeah. hundred percent for sure. So your routine. So, I mean, you know, that was my next thing. How do you fit all this in? Man? I mean, cause you've got obviously your foundation, your broadcasting, which takes a ton of time. Yeah, you got to run. I mean, it's uh, running the lengths you're running or working out, whatever. There's not, it's not a 15 minute, you know, a seven minute ab workout, dude. That's how, what time are you waking up in the morning and, and getting this stuff done? What time are you going to bed? So usually I'll get up between four and five. Gotcha. Um, and the first thing I'll do is, is get on the foot reflexology board. Um, yeah. And then I'm, I, as the coffee's brewing, uh, I go coffee and butter uh, with a little MCT oil uh, to kick it off. And then I do my daily calm meditation. Uh, it takes 10 minutes, uh, light a fire. Uh, and then it's then it's down to uh, either the treadmill or the bike. And I'll, I'll typically start by hiking um, and and going through all of my, I, you know, I'll, the daily stoic, uh, daily devotional, a daily dad thing that I read every day, the daily hustle that I'll, I'll, I'll listen. Cause I try to get about two, three weeks ahead on all the daily hustles. Yeah. So a lot yeah. of them that like, all right. And I actually kind of like it. Cause then when I get to read it, like I, a lot of times I forgot what I wrote. I forgot. Yeah. I gotcha. Right. And so gotcha. then I get yeah. to read it and now it resonates with me. And I'm like, okay, it hits home a little bit. Um, and then, and then from there it, it's, it's whether I, I, you know, I'm going to listen to a podcast or an audio book um, or whatever. And that's when, that's when I'll, I'll start cranking up the exercise and, and, and knocking off the miles is you can give me a good audio book and it's just Damn. gone. And then that's where, that's the other thing. Like, look, if you're not, if you're not reading, you're like, dude, what are you doing? Right. right. You, you got to read, you got to, yeah. you got to continue to digest content to continue to, 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 you know, I don't, you know, I don't, all, all sorts of things. And especially like, I'm just a huge history guy. Right. Um, but you know, being able to dive into a lot of this stuff is, it's just, that's where the content is. I mean, I, yeah. I, I get all my content from, from reading it. And, 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 you know, what's fun is that, you know, the more you read, 
Um, I, I think the more you formulate, you know, your opinions, um, but at the same time, the more, you know, for me, it's been more, the more I've been able to objectively step back and analyze situations, not only uh, if, of the past and in history, but also like things that have happened in my life. And then, you know, trying to understand, I, I think the greatest thing we can do as human beings is trying to try to understand where, where other people are coming from. Right. I mean, the yeah. world problems yeah. are basically because we, you know, we become subjective assholes and we don't want to listen to anybody. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I agree with that, man. I mean, I just watched this documentary on Netflix, World War Two in color. And you're looking back on the, the, the shit these people had to deal with back then. What are we complaining about? Obviously, this is pre-COVID-19. I mean, we've got some sure. issues. But I'm looking at it going, what are we complaining about? Look at what these people had to do. Oh, yeah, 100%. I, I'm with you as far as that, for sure. 100%. Yeah, it's, look, not, it's nuts, dude. Dude, well, look, man, I'm, you, you've, you've inspired me. To, I've got to ask you this. What time, what time do you go to bed at night, though, to fit all this in? Uh, this, is a, this is a hefty schedule, man. Yeah, so ten, 10 o'clock. Like, oh, okay. I'll, you know, How do you I'll shut off, man? I mean, I, that's the one thing. I mean, I'll go to sleep at 10. I'm exhausted, but I just can't shut off. My head just can't shut off or I'm getting addicted to this thing, you know, or whatever. So you did a couple things. Number one, get the, get the blue – get the if you can, you want the phone as far away as possible. The blue light yeah, kills you, right? For sure. So yeah. that, that'll, that'll, that'll keep you up, so – you want to try to get the screens off. The other thing is uh, the sleep stories on the Daily Calm Meditation app, like, have really helped me. Uh, you know, and then the other thing is consistency, too. So now I've noticed, like, being in one place and, you know, we're up in Lake Tahoe and, and going through this, like, it makes it a lot easier. Because in New York, when I'm working, a lot of times you understand, like, I'm the, I'll work till midnight, right? Yeah. One in the morning, like I'm not eating dinner till one or two. So I, I typically try to stay on West Coast time. Um, but yeah, so now I've got a pretty good routine where it's, hey, I'm in bed. I'm in bed by 10 um, and ideally asleep by 11 and yeah. then, you know, up by four or five. So if it's I've also noticed that and I, we're all different. I think a lot of this has to do with genetics, but. You know, I'll operate a lot better on five to seven hours of sleep than I yeah, will. If, if you give me like 730, uh-uh. Like, gotcha. I, it's, it, yeah. it, it's like I'll, I'll, I'll wake up as groggy as could be, and, and, I, and it'll affect me the rest of the day. So yeah. I have no problem. I've become okay with understanding that, hey, look, this is where – this is how my body optimally operates is yeah. off of this – five to absolutely no more than seven. So what I try to do is lay down for that at least six hour period. Yeah. Right. And then I know right. if I can do that, I can get my five in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been reading about that too with sleeps like 90 minute cycles and some, you know, some people respond better to that amount of sleep as opposed to needing, you know, whatever the, whatever the, I don't know, what is it? Eight hours or whatever it is. A recommended, Bro, you, yeah. let, me, let, me, let me tell you something because <laughs> I've had a lot of, a lot of, arguments but i've also tried to take this objective point of view and i've done a lot of crazy shit in my day too right stuff that goes overnight like the endurance stuff for and when we did the uh <laughs> world record when i broke the world record for most golf holes played yeah. um in a 24-hour period it was actually an australian not shockingly that held that record a guy by the name of ian colston the record stood for 47 years and part of that my training for that was going to be, look, I'm, I was going to have to be up for 24 hours, obviously, yeah. but I wanted to be up and efficient for those 24 hours. So I actually went through, um, a number of days where I got used to staying up for that time period. Now, Oof. one of the things that I've learned, and I actually learned this before I did an Ironman in New York, but basically I slept one hour before I did this Ironman, right? And I went out and had a great race. And it was like, how is that possible? Well, yeah. the, the, the thing is this, what we really need, the amount of time of sleep we really need to optimally perform the next day. You ready for this? Here. I'm writing this it's down. Two, it's two hours. It's wow. two hours. So I'm not saying not to get, not don't, I'm not saying not to get seven, not Absolutely, to get eight, whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever fits for you. But 
when people say I can function or can't function, whatever. Now, this shit will catch up to you. You can't do two hours every night. But there's a reason why, like, before Western States 100 here, I remember, dude, I, I, I was lucky if I slept two hours before. Went out and had a great race. So your body, with a, the most important hours of sleep are your first two. So if there's nothing else, so even if you even if you go through, you sleep for two hours, you wake up, and you're beating yourself up, you're like, oh, no, oh, oh. Dude, we mentally mind fuck ourselves after this, right? I can't go to sleep. I can't go to sleep. So when I put my head on the pillow and I sleep solid for two hours, then I wake up. And if I have problems going back to sleep, I'm like, yeah, screw it. I got my two hours and I'm good. And then the other thing is when you stop trying to go to sleep is when you go to sleep, right? Yeah, right. So whenever you sit right. there wrestling, you're like, I'm trying to go to sleep. That's the worst thing you can do is try to go to sleep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And look, and just, I need to ask you this one more time, dude. So you're talking, you went where you went with, when you're training for the golf, right? Most yeah. holes in 24 hours, you went no sleep straight 24 hours. There's pain in that. There's physical pain in that. There's physical pain when you're doing this triathlon across the country. Isn't that enough? Like for the normal people like me, isn't that enough pain to, to say to your brains that says, I'm shutting this down. Like surely there has to be times where you get like that. Cause I, yeah, there, there was, there was the thing that what was so difficult, um, about the triathlon across the country yeah. is I was doing, you know, hundred to 150 of miles on a bike every day for 24, uh, straight days. And that was from Oakland, Chicago. Right. And then the running, you know, basically it was, it was averaging 30 plus miles a day for oh. a month straight. Yeah. And so the ability to be able to bounce back after after that was was incredibly difficult. Yeah, and it right. was it was a mental grind. But the one thing that I noticed every single day was that once we got moving, like the hard it's a start that stops us every single time. But once I got moving, it was like the blood's flowing and it, gotcha. like it, the constant. Yeah. It was funny because people were like, how did you physically make it through by doing this? Our bodies respond and are capable of so much more. But if you think about what recovery is, recovery is movement and blood flow and energy. And it's like when we go ahead and say, go run 30 miles. And then we sit, you know, we sit down on the couch for, for two days. What do you think is going to happen? You just tore down all your muscles and, and tendons yeah. and ligaments. Your, your blood's going to rush down there. It becomes stagnant. It becomes right. inflamed. And then we're all screwed. But guess what? When you get up and run 30 miles the next day, right. we're blood flowing, yeah. right? So that's yeah. how that worked. And then as far as the golf thing, during that round, is really cool because we raised a ton of money for the Let Them Play Foundation. But yeah. we handed out, like, it was like $50,000, $60,000 in grants to teams that came out and round, ran around with us. So – Basically, I'm playing around, right? I played, I think it was almost 24 rounds, 23 and a half rounds. So I yeah. got to the middle rounds in the middle of the day, which was the, the most difficult part, really. Yeah. But uh, you get to those rounds. I had like the Half Moon Bay football team, the Half Moon Bay cheerleading squad running with me, and they had to earn their grants. Gotcha. And it was, the rounds were about four and a half, five miles per round, but they would run. And, and so I was able to feed off the energy of them. Gotcha. And, yeah. and that's, I mean, that's what life is. Life's, Life's energy and it's 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 flow and you gotta be able you gotta be able to keep up with it and you gotta figure out you know different ways to find your motivation and um you know that was that was a big one for me during the golf. Yeah, well, I'm definitely feeding off this off this energy, dude. I'm 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 peeling myself off this bed at four a.m., four thirty a.m. See how I go. See how many days I can I can push through. Try try just... doing this. Try doing this. Let's, Whatever let's it is, it. this is good for everyone at home too. <laughs> so basically, don't. You know, we, we can't, we don't want to try to reinvent the wheel in one day. But what you do, if you normally get up at eight o'clock in the morning, yeah, get up at seven. If you normally get up at seven, get up Good at luck. six. Gotcha. Take one hour, one hour, and do it for so, a week. Yeah, cold straight. turkey will crush you, right? Straight, just burn. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. Don't, if you get up at seven, all of a sudden you try to get up at four, and it's just no like chance. it's going to throw everything off. Yeah. So, and then you do it for a week straight and pretty soon you're going to start noticing you're going to go to bed just about an hour earlier and, you know, start, start setting up. Cause right now, never, never more than any other time in our lives, are we able to settle into a routine? 
So this is a, and then make, make these things party routine, whatever it is, you know, like make, when you're getting up in the morning, it's like, this a process of, of, of getting shit done. And, and, yeah. and I think, you know, within, I'm a firm believer that within the first hour you need to get moving. So, so don't, sure. don't, don't sit around and just drink coffee for two hours. Like it's, yeah. I'm all about the coffee, but um, within that first hour, you got to get going. Yeah, for sure. Well, Bernsey, mate, this has been a blast, dude. I appreciate it. Thank, thanks for your time. I've written notes, dude. I'm, I'm, tomorrow, I'm, I'm going to start it. slowly chipping away at that routine. I appreciate it, Bernsey. Thanks, mate. That was awesome. Dude, Ryan, the best, man. Hopefully, dude, we'll do this fun. again, bro.